What's up, guys? This is Roland Buck III. I play Noah Sexton on Chicago Med, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Three more seasons! Oh my goodness! Three more seasons! Three more seasons. So exciting. Hey everybody, welcome to I guess this is a special episode of Meet Us at Molly's. Uh it's episode 133. We're going to cover episodes 15. So Chicago Med 515 and the big crossover between Chicago Fire and Chicago PD. You guys know who I am. You guys know who Bryna is. The big news today, which broke like an hour before we started recording, is that we got renewed. All three shows plus SVU all got renewed for three seasons apiece. Oh my God. We're coming back for three more seasons, y'all. You guys are stuck with us for three more seasons. Three oh more goodness. years. Three yeah. Years. Ah, I'm so excited. Best surprise news ever that I did not think we would get this week. So exciting. I know. I I mean, obviously, I think, I mean, I was pretty sure they were going to get renewed, right? Like, I don't think anything's going to happen. These were going to go anywhere. But three more years? Hell yeah. Dang. Dang. That's awesome. That means oh, fire yeah. is for sure going to hit season 11. PD is for sure going to hit season 10. I mean, that's huge. Right. And Med making it to season eight. Yeah. So cool. And I mean, I think SVU is going to make it to what, 25 or 24? I don't know. I, I don't mean, know. at least. Yeah, something like that. Oh, it's so exciting. It's the best. Well, and just even seeing in the Wolf Entertainment video, like the year 2023, like that's when, like, <laughs> like what? That seems like so far from now. I know, and it is, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, just seeing that, it's like, oh, crap, 2023. I am just, like, over the moon, happy and excited. Also, it's worth noting that the uh, February 26th of 2019 is when we got word about renewal for the seasons we're in now. Yes! Yeah, so... I was looking through our DMs, and I saw that, and I was like, oh, my God, wow. So, February 26th is a very good day in the One Chicago fandom, although... In 2021, when it's February 26th, don't sit around and be like, why don't we have a renewal? It's because we have a renewal through 2023. Yeah. No, yes. February, the end of February is very good to the One Chicago franchise. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited. Yay. I know. Me too. So... We do have to pull it together and record an episode, which, like, I mean, how do you expect us to do that? This was, like, the best news ever, so I don't know. But also, I do want to mention that um, I definitely got a little bit, like, green with envy when New Amsterdam got their three-season renewal. And I was like, excuse me, like, hi, one Chicago right over here. When's that going to happen? Just had to be a little patient. Well, it took me a second, too, when I – because I was reading it on the Metro on the way home, and I was, like, reading it, and I was like – Wait, did all three get renewed for three seasons or did all three get renewed for one more season? Like the wording at first caught me off guard, but yeah, I'm so excited. It's so exciting. And the fact that SVU got three more seasons means that we could do another crossover. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) So excited. That would, that would be awesome. I wasn't around the first time. I wasn't in the fandom when they did the first ones. So I'd like to be around for one. Oh, you missed Ruzik hitting on Rollins. 
I mean, I've seen them, but yes, I wasn't around in real time. That's one we should do over the next hiatus is we should do like, did we do it? Did we already do the very first crossover? I think we did. Which one's the first one? When Ruzik hits on Rollins. And I think that's also the one when Aaron gets the concussion in New York. We've only ever touched on the, um, what's his name? Yates. Yes. That's the only one we've ever touched on. So if that's not that one, then we have, no, we haven't touched on it. Okay. Oh man. I like that. We're at the point where we're just like, I don't remember. Have we covered that before? Oh my goodness. It's so exciting. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to pull it together. I'm going to be an adult. It is time to cover the rest of the news. Okay. So we got a couple of articles. We've also got some episode descriptions. I'm just scrolling on to the top of the outline here. So let's start off with this piece from TV Guide that we got after the episode on Wednesday. So Chicago Fire will provide answers about Casey and Brett's potential romance soon. So we got a quote from Derek out of this one, and it just says, I think you're going to have to watch it play out because it's Chicago Fire and we never go right where you think we're going. Does that mean we're going to get another fake out? I hope not. I feel like he's just teasing and trolling because it's Derek. I know. But he also said there will be answers before the end of the season. So, I mean, I would like at least a kiss before the end of the season. Just, you know, get it out of your system. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know. I've always said, like, kiss once. And if they decide they don't want to go down that road, then fine. Mm -hmm. But, like, you can't do all of this and not at least explore it. That's always been my thing with any show. Right. Right. Although I was um, I was playing around in the yeah. podcast app the other day and I said have that happen. Oh, sorry, what'd you say? No, I was just saying like basically that's always been my thing with shows. It's like you can't like tease something and then not at least try it out, which is again, we've talked about this heart of Dixie, like the George stuff. I can't. I will well, be forever bitter about George and Zoe and how they never got a fair shake. Which, so I don't, I hope this will not be this, that. Right, right. Also, if you want to hear either of us talk about that way more in detail, you can tune into Long Live the Heart, hosted by our very good friend, Christine. Um, we've both been guests on there, and we've talked at length about Heart of Dixie and their ships. So. Yep. Yeah. So we also got a piece from Ask Osiello, and we got a question from a fan named Ashley, and she just asked, she said, anything you can spill about Chicago PD's Upstead? This whole will-they-won't-they slow burn is making me crazy. Girl, same. Same. And the answer to that was, in the March 4th episode, Halstead and Upton are involved in a case where they believe domestic violence is taking place, and they both have their own relationship to that. That's a quote from Rick Eyde. They both have their own relationships. That we already knew that Haley did. Jay, uh, yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. That's why I'm like have my head turned. I'm like, huh? I know. Oh man. And so Rick goes on and he says they're trying to walk a very complicated and emotional line about how to proceed. As for a potential romance, of course the characters have strong feelings for each other, but it's complicated and there are obstacles to it. But their feelings haven't changed. Meaning Haley still loves Jay, and Jay doesn't know that he loves Haley, but he totally does. Right? Just make it happen already, people. I know. Just we were Give so it close. to us. We were so close. 
Well, and we're going to get next week's episode, and something great will happen, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not fully, but you know what I mean. So we'll get another moment, and then it'll probably be the finale before we see anything again. Damn so. it. I know. I know. We'll probably get some good gifts out of next week. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Hopefully. I know. I know. Um, there was also a bit about fire in here, and the bit just says, save the sorta date. Sorta is in parentheses. Cruz and Chloe's wedding is slated for episode 19. Mark your calendars. Mark your calendars. Find where they're registered. Like, pick your outfit out. Like, get them a gift. Let's go. It is wedding time. So, uh, Derek said, I've seen Chloe in her wedding dress, and it's beautiful. Of course it is, because Kristen Gutowski is gorgeous, and I probably just butchered her last name. I'm sorry about that. But the big part here is that Derek says, he adds that we blew our budget on guest cast for the episode because we wanted some faces that you would expect to be there. Okay, well, who do we expect to be there? I mean, Peter Mills. Peter Mills. Peter Mills. Peter Mills. We've already seen Gabby. Would she come back and do another episode in one season? I don't know. I feel like that's an obvious answer, but yeah, would Monica come back again? I don't know. I mean, I would think that she'd be more likely to go to Cruz's wedding than Mills. Right. Right. I don't know. I just feel like who else from the get like guest cast? Like, I don't understand. Who else could it be? Who's still alive. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, Nick Porter, but he's not like, you know. Right. That, that's not blowing the budget on guest cast. I mean, would Baba show up just, like, out of solidarity that, like, you know, Otis would be there and she's, you know, she's kind of the stand-in? I mean, I don't know, because we haven't heard from her in, like, ten years. And Leon. Th- again. That- Leon. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Stop. That makes me emotional thinking about it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but again, like, I guess it's the combination of all of them in terms of blowing money, I guess, to cast. But, yeah, if Leon's not back, then Derek, we're going to have words. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, if Leon's not back, Derek, we're having words when you come on in the spurtly like, later on. Very nice, words. polite words. We don't want to. Yeah, screw but you we're away. still having words. We're still having words. <laughs> yeah, that you would. You, okay, that you would expect to be there. So I would expect Leon to be there. I don't know who else I would. Yeah. Expect. But, like, yeah, who else is alive? Like, because, I mean, I'm thinking of other people. Like, I'm sure Donna Bowden will show up. Like, I'm sure, you know, like, um, Cindy will show up. Like, those kind of people. But we see them on and off again. So they're not someone I'm thinking of that's, like, crazy. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where this wedding is. I don't know who's going to be there. And, frankly, as an attendee, I'm a little nervous about that. <laughs> um, just kidding. But, like, seriously, who is coming back? I'd like to know. Peter Mills. Peter Mills. Peter Mills. Peter Mills. Man. You guys, we're just very hyped up tonight because of the news of the renewal. You've just got to bear with us. We're very hyped up and very, like, giddy. So Peter Mills. Peter I'm just going to, like, ever, like, I just need it to happen. He needs to come back already. It's been too damn long. No, I know. And he just keeps, like, landing roles. Didn't I send you something this week that, like, he landed a role in a musical or something? I don't remember what it was, but yeah, something. Our little star. Yeah, we had like a whirlwind week off, which you might have seen in tweets, but uh, Bryna was traveling, I was traveling. By the grace of who knows what, we had layovers in the same city at the same time, so we got 20 minutes together. And it was the best. It was great. (laughs) 
but that's enough for a hug some chatting and yeah 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 so that was cool um we did not plan that we swear um but we had whirlwind weeks off so now we're just like "Mm, everything's kind of a blur but okay i'm still i mean i just got back last night i'm still like what is happening today i don't know i definitely went to bed at like nine o'clock the night i got back and i i I, it felt so good i needed it I had already seen the crossover, so I was like, okay, bye. Um, <laughs> I hadn't gone to sleep before, like, 4 a.m. pretty much. I don't know. There was a lot of days. Brian, are you a little party animal? It's what happens. What happens in Miami stays in Miami. I'm just saying. <gasps> Look at you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I know. So moving on, we also have episode descriptions for episode 16. These are the episodes that air next week on Wednesday, March 4th. Bryna, will you please take us through Med? Yes. So Med is called Who Should Be the Judge? And it says a convicted murderer's escape hits close to home when several members of the team find themselves in danger. Dr. Charles and Dr. Halstead continue to clash over patient treatment plans. Dr. Choi and April discover the truth about a patient scam, and Maggie finally receives some good news. Okay. Um, we already know that the members of the team in danger, I mean, based on the promo, it's Crockett and Natalie. Yep. Yeah. That's about it. Um, Dr. Charles and Dr. Halstead clash. Okay, well, the patient's got to be Hannah, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would assume so. I mean, I would assume so. Hmm. I don't know, though. I don't know. We shall see. We shall see. Fire is called the tendency of a drowning victim. Bowden is on edge after starting a new fad diet. Casey and Severi disagree on a call. Brett's birth mother shares life-altering news. And a familiar face has a proposition for Herman. I don't want Casey and Severide to fight. Mommy, I don't like it. Or, Gina, I don't like it when Mommy and Daddy fight. I don't like it either. I don't like that. But the idea of Bowden being all hangry is pretty funny. Hysterical. Yeah. Hysterical. Who do you think this familiar face is? For Herman? Um, it's a familiar face. Yep. Keyword. Familiar. Um, I don't know. I mean... All I can think of is maybe somebody he's done one of those investment things with before, but that was all in season one, season two. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like somebody from Bowden's, the- there's always Bowden's brother-in-law too. That that, is yeah, missed. and Julian crossed my mind for a second, and then I was like, no, but he was he was usually tied up with Bowden, not usually with anybody else. Yeah, but he's like a familiar face. Ish. So. Yeah. Ish. So, hmm. I don't know. And lastly is PD. Bryna, will you take us through that? Yes. So PD is called Intimate Violence. And the description reads, an armed robbery case quickly turns into a homicide investigation. When one suspect's background suggests domestic violence, Upton is forced to reckon with her childhood. Voight and Halstead butt heads over Halstead's righteous instinct. Okay. What righteous instinct? I know. Um, that that sentence alone just makes me think, like, wait, he's, he's butting heads with Will, not Jay? Like, which Halstead is he butting heads with? Right. I wonder if this... I'll be curious to see when the episode airs. Is this 
episode description accurately written. Good point. Very good point. Because I wouldn't necessarily classify it as righteous. But again, I could be wrong. We haven't seen the episode yet. But we'll see. Yeah. I mean, the the big thing to get out of this description is that this is an Upstead episode. Which, like, yes. Yeah. So we shall see. Yeah, the promo photos are just, like, Upstead everywhere. It's, it's pretty great. So. Mm-hmm. That is about all we've got for the news. As always, guys, if you see anything, please send it to us. You guys do such a good job of sending us news all the time. We very, very greatly appreciate it. Um, and you know how to get it to us, too. Email, paper airplane, carrier pigeon, Hedwig the owl, however. That's a Harry Potter reference, by the way. Um, <laughs> all right. It is time to move into the episode, shall we? Let's do it. All right. We're going to start with Med, just like we always do. I have three notes about this episode before we start. So, A, this is probably the most bizarre episode of Med we've ever had. Right? Ish. Does the panda count? Because I feel like the pan- nothing can ever top the panda. I know, but like overall, looking at like the entire hour and not just the one story. Well, then yeah, this is definitely up there. Okay. Um, two, the pairings were on point. Yes. 100% yes. agree. And I can't remember what my third point was. Guys, again, three-season renewal. We're very hyped. <laughs> like, we can't remember these things. But the pairings were definitely on point, and it was bizarre as can be. But also, it was really good. It was really good. I'm curious who wrote this episode. Which one of our this episode? We always think that we're going to look that up see. beforehand, and then we never do. I know. I know. Keep going. I'll tell you in a second. Okay. So we're going to start with our favorite redhead, Will, because we love Will. Um, Will wakes up in Hannah's bed. Really? Really? I mean, that was obvious. Really? Mm -hmm. You're killing me, Will. You're killing me. So the gist of their conversation is basically Will's like, so I know we just had sex, but like you're still turning yourself in, right? And Hannah's like, so you think I slept with you just to get out of it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Hannah, we do. And she's all like, no, no, it's cool. I'm still going to turn myself in. Like, please come with me, blah, blah, blah. And Will's just like, yes, of course. Like, you're so strong. And so Will ends it. And he's like, you're so much tougher than this addiction. And I know you're going to beat it. Okay, first off, Will, Hannah's playing you like a fiddle. We can all see it. I mean, it's pretty plain as day. Second... This is killing me because I don't think Will even cares about Hannah. I think all he cares about is, like, cleansing her of this disease. And cleansing, I say with air quotes. Okay, so a couple things. So, first of all, the episode was written by Joseph Sousa and Danny Weiss. Nice. So, okay. Second of all, I'm taking back part of what I said in previous episodes about the fact that we said Hannah was going to be this combination of Anna and Camilla. Mm Mm-hmm. She's definitely more Camilla than she is Anna. Big I don't even want to put her in the same category as <laughs> Anna anymore. Like, no way. Mm-hmm. No how. And, yeah, I definitely agree with your point about, like, Will not really even caring about her. I mean, I think he does on some level. I'm not saying that Will's, like, completely heartless. But I think, I mean, we've always said it. Like, he wants to cleanse her, like you said, of her disease because he couldn't do that with his patient, mm-hmm. with Lynn. Right. 
And that's what triggered this whole spiral. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, she's I, definitely not Anna. I, I no, no, not by a long shot. Um, I, yeah, I think he's telling her, he, I think he's telling himself that he cares about her, but at the end of the day, all he cares about is this addiction and like curing her of it. Mm-hmm. 100%. And he can be like, see, I cured you. It, I, I have a track record now. I cured you. Yeah. Like, well, oh, I, you know, I canceled out my actions. I, you know, lost one, but saved another. Right. So we're good. Oh, well. Right. Honey. Yeah. Honey. Oof. Oof. Honey. <laughs> to, as to quote Lucretia, Lucretia from Elite. Honey. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I always think of the moment from How I Met Your Mother when uh, Katy Perry was in the episode. And every time she'd say something dumb, Marshall would just be like, oh, honey. Honey. Mm. Yeah. No. So Courtney brings in Sienna. And Sienna is, she's seven months pregnant, but she's in the middle of a sickle cell pain crisis. None of that sounds pleasant. And she looks like she's just in absolute, like, horrible, horrific pain. Right. So, ooh. Yeah. So before this even happens, though, there's two moments that are kind of worth noting. So the transitions in this early part of the episode are pretty smooth. It's basically like one person comes out of a room, all the others exiting, and then we follow them. And so right before this scene where Sienna comes in, Nat or Will is walking out of the room as Natalie is walking by. And I'm doing this with my hands like you guys can see me. You can't. But it's totally one of those moments like Natalie passes by and Will just kind of leaves that like lingering glance. Like his eyes just kind of follow her. Like I saw that. I saw that, Will. I see you. The instead is always there. Always there. Always there. Um, The other thing is that uh, there is a quick moment where Will asks Maggie, he's like, how's your hormone replacement therapy going? And, you know, she's just like, oh, it feels like there's ants like crawling on my skin. But it's just a quick little like friendship moment and just kind of a reminder that, you know, Will and Maggie have this kick ass friendship that I would love to see more of. Yes, please. Yes. So Sienna begs Will to call her OB, Dr. Asher. And of course, she's like, yeah, her name's Dr. Asher. And Will's like, Hannah Asher. And it's like the SVU, like, dun dun, like, should just be like inserted in the end because it's just like, Ooh. So, let me scroll. So, Will goes upstairs to find Hannah, and she has not come in yet. Okay, so at this point in the game, when you hear that Hannah, an addict, has not come in yet to her scheduled shift, that's kind of the point where you drop everything and like go to her apartment and make sure she's still alive, right? Yeah, definitely. Like, I thought for sure they were going to find her like dead in the apartment. Yeah, that wouldn't have surprised me either. I mean, I don't know. As the episode went on, I was just like, Will, freaking drop everything and go to her apartment. Like, she's that's where she probably is. Right, especially if you care about her. Yeah. which Like you say you do. Like you say you do, but we know you don't. We know you don't. So, Sienna, poor Sienna, just, she does not trust Will as far as she can throw him. And frankly, I understand. I mean... I don't, I don't think it's that she doesn't trust Will. I don't think she trusts any other doctor that is not Dr. Asher because right. a lot of doctors have accused her in the past of being an addict who's just trying to score. And so she's just basically playing this up. And Hannah's the only one who really understands. And so, you know, Sienna just doesn't want to hear anybody that is not Hannah, but Hannah's MIA. So Will convinces her to at least accept a transfusion because she's anemic. And so the blood should at least help a little bit. But then she has an inflammatory reaction to the blood. Is that the same thing as like an allergic reaction? Can you just be up and allergic to blood like randomly? 
I think so. What? Like, I mean, probably certain types. I would like to think that they gave her, like, the right type. I would like to think they didn't just grab a random letter off the shelf and be like, hope this works. Yeah, you can definitely have a... I'm just Googling right now. You can definitely have an allergic reaction to a blood transfusion. That's scary. Uh, blah, blah, blah. If it's not a match, you can experience, like, a transfusion reaction if it's not, like, a match. But isn't, I mean, I, I have questions, but also I'm not a doctor, so I have stupid questions. Whatever. Okay. Medical myth that I'm not going to know the answer to. Hmm. I don't know. So at this point is when Will stalls and he's like, no, like I know where Hannah is. And this is like halfway through the episode. And by this point, I'm just like, you should have known where she was like 20 minutes ago, dude. What are you doing? And, right. but I mean... The safe injection site never crossed my mind. I was never like, oh, she'll be there. I thought for sure she was at her apartment. Did you ever think she'd be at the safe injection site? No. Because do you feel like it... The way this episode is set up, it makes you seem... It makes it seem like there are going to be bigger consequences to her not showing up this time. Especially after Will already said, like, you're going to turn yourself in. I need you to turn yourself in. Like, this is happening now. Mm -hmm. So I just felt, yeah. There was no way she was going to be there. No. So he goes to the safe injection site. No Hannah. But also he still has the key fob. Like, you quit. How are you still able to get in and out like that? Because it's Will. Because it's Will. I know. Will doesn't follow rules. They were probably like, yeah, leave your keys. And he just didn't hear it. He has, like, selective hearing. It's an unofficial extension of med. What rules? Rules? Huh? What what, what is that word? Huh? What language is that? Um, So... Poor Sienna. She just has to go forward with the C-section. And this girl is so terrified. Like, I feel really bad for her. But at the same time, like, you know, Maggie and Will are both like, listen, Hannah's not here. You've got to pull it together. Like, if you don't go through with this, we need to deliver the baby now, which is exactly what she did not want. I mean, I feel bad for her. But also, you know, Maggie and Will are both like, listen, like, I get you don't trust Will, but you've got to move forward with this or something bad's going to happen. And so... They go through with the C-section. Mom and baby are fine. Thank God. But as Will is walking out of the OR or wherever he was like watching this go down, Hannah just kind of casually rolls on in. Ooh, girl. Mm, It's not good. So she has like every excuse under the sun. She's like, oh, my phone died. I got a flat tire. And Will's just like, am I really supposed to believe that? Which like, I'm usually just like, Will, you're so harsh, you're so mean, but also I'm kind of with him on this one. Oh, 100%. She definitely did not have a flat tire. No, she didn't. She didn't. Um, and Hannah's very quick to be like, well, you were okay with everything last night. And Will's like, yeah, that was a mistake. Um, which, again, I'm usually like, Will, you jerk. But this time I was like, no, Will's, Will's got a point. He's got a point. So this whole thing ends with Will going to Earl, the security guy, and he kind of narks on her. So we cut to a drug-sniffing dog, like, sniffing around <sighs> Hannah's car, and the dog barks, and Earl's like, yeah, you were right. And just as this is happening, Hannah walks up, and it's just like, oh, shit. Damn, Will. Yeah, next week, things are going to blow to pieces. Did Did Will go too far? 
I think it's hard to say right now because we don't know what happens after this. Like, I think I need to see next week up next week's episode before I like really say. Because like, based on that one scene, maybe a little bit, but like, I don't know. I know. I just. I feel like he wouldn't do this if he wasn't so hell-bent to save her. Like, if this were Natalie, he wouldn't narc on her, would he? I mean, he's done it before. That is true. Ugh, I just... Oh, I remember what I was... I, I, it took me... I remember what I was going to say. Yeah, go ahead. I do wonder, though... Like, why didn't he just go to Goodwin? Like, why did he... I mean, like, obviously, the guy was right there, and I I mean, I know why, logistically, but, like, I feel like that was the better move. I wonder if Goodwin would have thought Will was being dramatic or embellishing or something. Oh, and I guess he would have had to come clean about the safe injection, shall Ah, bingo. Yeah, he would have. She wouldn't have. Yeah, she would have believed him, but, yeah, he would have had to come clean about that. Yeah. Which means, I mean, he's he's gonna have to come clean to her like next week, basically. Now that she, now that he's outed Hannah, Hannah won't even hesitate to just be like, "Hey, by the way, this is where we met." Yep. Got yourself in trouble, Will. Big time. Big time. So, elsewhere, we had Natalie and Doctor Charles in what I think is probably the most bizarre case ever. This was silly. This I was mean, like, what the heck? Like, what? I know. The whole thing is just, huh? What? Huh? Okay. So there's a mom and dad and their daughter, Harper. They all come in. Dad is a polymer engineer in Switzerland who's basically been sick ever since he got back. Except none of that is true. Not even in the slightest. This is so weird. Okay. He is an actor who the mom hired to play Harper's dad. The fuck? I would love to know what case this was based off in real life. Yeah. True story. I mean, not true story, obviously, but yeah, definitely. This can't be made up. Like, this has to be real life. I don't even... I had so many moments in this episode where I was like, I don't even know what I would Google to see if this is true or, like, see what this is based on. I don't know. Somebody, if if anyone knows of a real life case like this, please send it our way because I, I have questions. I have so many questions. Yes, please do. So mom hired the actor because she grew up without a father and didn't want the same for her daughter. But she's also essentially said like, you know, this is the last time. So, you know, I'm basically going to kill you off. This is like that movie with Emma Thompson and was Will Ferrell in that? Stranger Than Fiction? Mm. Where, like, she's a writer and everything she writes comes true? You're Googling it. Um, I'm Googling it. I don't even know if I've even I think it's heard of that movie. Than fiction. Uh, but yeah, it's Will Ferrell, Emma Thompson, Queen Latifah, Dustin Hoffman. Hmm. Okay. Oh. Good job, Gina's memory. <laughs> um, there's a lot of stuff I don't remember these days. So I was oh, happy Maggie gonna... Gyllenhaal, too. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Okay. Cool. Yeah, this is just kind of like that movie that she's just making the plot and the plot's just kind of happening. Hmm, okay. Um, but Natalie is like pretty good this episode. So she has a lot of moments where she's making faces and saying things, but all of these moments I'm like, girl, same. I am right there with you. 
So when yeah, this is the only time I think I've actually been on Natalie's side. Yeah, in like a long time. Oh yeah, big time. Um, when she's just like, yeah, I told him this is the last time, and like basically he's gonna die. Natalie's face was like all of us of just total like, what the fuck is what this? Is- yeah, like what? And so what, Do- actually, Doctor Charles tries to get through to this guy, but he is so method in his acting that he's basically changed the ending. So. He's not happy about this whole idea of him, like, disappearing. So he's poisoned himself so that Lewis, air quotes, his character, will die in front of Harper. This whole thing is so fucked up. I'm sorry, why are we so hellbent on traumatizing an eight-year-old? But actually, though. This is so crazy. So this is a moment where Natalie could usually, like, fly off the handle, but she doesn't. She doesn't. So when... Lewis basically says that, you know, uh, he basically poisoned himself to die in front of Harper. Natalie goes, oh, my God, what do you think that will do? Same, same, right there with you. We're good. But then, of course, she issues the ultimatum and she's like, yeah, you need to fix this or we're going to tell Harper the truth. Okay, now we've gone too far. Pull it back, Nat. Pull it back. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Got you out of 10. Need you like a four. So Dr. Charles does Dr. Charles things and is just like super smart about the whole thing and level-headed. He's always level-headed in these crises. Crises? Crises? I think it's crises. I've been drinking wine. And again, three season renewal, guys. We're, we're hyped. I like being able to blame it on that. So <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Charles has this idea. He's like, okay, let's at least do this. Let's stage your death so that it's a lot easier for Harper to process that, you know, you talk to her, you peacefully go to sleep and that's that. But when this happens, little Harper just like flips shit in her little voice. And she's just such a good little child actor. Like, I felt so, I just wanted to like hug her and be like, Harper, sweet girl. Oh, so that is what basically finally gets this guy to come clean. He's like, no, you have to keep me alive. Surprise it with cyanide. Let's go. And both of them are like, okay. So he's actually going to be okay. This is weird, but all right, cool. And somehow it all ends with Harper handling this far better than any of the adults. Because, of course. Because, of course, yeah. She's like, so my dad's not really my dad. And Dr. Charles is like, yeah. And she's like, cool, he still loves me. Can I see him now? Just. May we all handle things in life as good as Harper handled this. Right? Right? Yeah, that would be great. So we've also got April and Noah. Sexting siblings power unite or whatever superhero show again three season renewal we're excited i get to it's ramble been too many weeks without noah and i was very glad to see him back right right i know brenda will you please take us through april and noah of course so basically the sibling duo gets sent to a call out in the real world because <laughs> the patient refuses to get in the ambulance He essentially ends up mixing his meds and has to stay in constant motion in order to keep his heart rate up and basically keep him alive. He has to run on a treadmill. What a nightmare. Yeah, I know. I would not survive. Literally, I'd die. Mm -hmm. Don't run on treadmills. No. I don't run, period. Yeah, and like I said, they have to run. He has to run on a treadmill because that B doesn't work. So they find this gym with a treadmill and he just keeps running and running and running and running. (laughs) And the defibrillator doesn't work, so it's basically, again, we're running and running and running and running. And 
And April reminds Noah that it's not his fault that this whole thing isn't working. And Noah's like, we need to get an attendant here ASAP. Which, which is they a probably should have done. Good call. Right. I was going to say they probably should have done that as soon as they got on the scene and realized they were probably getting in over their heads. Big time. So uh, somehow, which I don't understand, the nearest attending is an hour and away. I mean, there are other doctors at Med aside from the ones in the ED. Right. Or like the one, you know, like Latham. Like there are other cardio doctors there. Surely somebody's available. Right. I I don't understand that. Anyway, even if, okay, even regardless, even if they, nobody somehow for med is available, there are other hospitals. Lakeshore? Lakeshore. And that other. The one on Justice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever that heck that was. Our Lady of Hope? Yeah, I think that's it. But there are other hospitals in Chicago. I don't understand. Surely there was an attending physician somewhere in the Chicago metropolitan area that could have responded to this call. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. But anyway, so April gets this idea to internally pace him as in stick a wire into the guy's heart while he's running. Uh, Insane. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Noah's basically like, uh, no. And April's like, uh, yes. <laughs> I I commend April for being so quick on her feet in this episode. However, internally pacing the guy while he's running feels like you're just setting Noah up for failure. Right. And we don't need that to shake his confidence. No, because on this podcast, we love and protect Noah Sexton. At all costs. Just like we do Blake Gallo. Yes. Mm-hmm. At all costs. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it goes about as well as we thought, and Larry, the guy, ends up giving up. But they are able to place the wire and get him back. So, yay. That is good. But, I mean, this is a huge episode, not only for Noah, but I think it might even be a bigger one for April. Because, I mean, the way she calls the shots and the way she thinks on her feet, like... I don't know if they're trying to show us that Noah and April make a good team or if they're trying to show us that, you know, April is really good in the field. Like, what are they going for here? I don't know. I think it's Laurel. And I apologize if it was a different listener or if it's a different listener and not Laurel. But I'm pretty sure it's Laurel who always makes the comment about how they really just need to focus on, like, April maybe wanting to try out med school. And, like, you know, now that Noah's established and, like, finally do the thing that she always wanted to do. And I feel like this would just be an excellent episode to, like, kick that off. Yes, yes. I had the same thought. I was wondering if they were trying to set that up from this episode that, you know, April's considering going to med school. I don't know. But, like, probably not only because she's trying to have a baby. And not saying you can't have both, but, like... In her head, she probably is thinking you can't have both. I mean, let's be real. The baby one is probably going to get stuck on hold for a little bit once the truth comes out. Yeah, well, we'll see. If it ever and comes I mean, out. If, or if the baby happens first. I mean, it's the one Chicago franchise, so they'll probably kill the baby before it's born anyway. Brian is just serving up the truth tonight. I'm just saying. No, I know. I know. We're still bitter about the Berzik baby. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah, I mean, April's really good tonight. And I mean, and it's not even her suggestions are they don't even come from a situ like a, a place of trying to be the big sister and like protect Noah. It's just they're putting their minds together and they're working together to solve the issue. So it's a really good case for them, even though it's completely weird. Yeah. And I mean, it basically ends like Latham's able to insert a permanent pacemaker and, quote, given the circumstances, it was a impressive save, which totally was. Oh, 100%. yeah. Yeah. Big time. Big time. I definitely had a moment when they got him back after he collapsed. Um, and like they were like, OK, good. His pressure's climbing. I was like, yeah, Noah. I was like, "You, that's our Noah. You get him. Good job. Yeah. I mean, again, more Noah, please. Yes. More Noah. Yes. Always more Noah. Yeah. So the last bit we've got in this episode is Crockett and Ethan. Ooh, this one. Like, what was in the water at Chicago Med on Wednesday night? My goodness. Lord have mercy. I, whew. I know. Brian, will you please take us through Crockett and Ethan? Of course. So basically, again, their, pa their patient comes in after a failed lethal injection. I mean, seriously, what is going on in med? I don't know. I don't even want to Google uh, how often that happens. Like, that's miserable. Probably more times than are even reported, honestly, would be my guess. Ooh. Basically, I mean, but basically, yeah, the injection completely missed his vein. So now it's trapped in his muscles. And hence why he's here. Crockett is able to fix the whole thing in surgery only to find out that the death warrant was extended and they have rescheduled his execution. I, this whole thing is bizarre. It brings up, you know, the uncomfortable issue of talking about the death penalty. It brings up a lot of gray area. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, we could really get into this if we wanted to. I don't feel like we need to go there, but mm -hmm. like, yeah. Definitely a lot of gray area when it comes to the whole death penalty situation. Yeah. Um, I mean, but so basically the patient ends up asking Crockett to let him die because, I quote, he felt everything. And he's talking about, you know, how his whole body was on fire and he couldn't move and he couldn't talk. And he's like, I know I deserve to die, but not like that. Choi's face like, in this moment kind of irked me because... I mean, this guy is going into detail about, you know, how horrible it was with the injection missing his veins and how he felt everything and he was essentially locked in his body. And Ethan is so cold to it and just doesn't really care. And it just brings up the discussion of like, yeah, this guy did a really horrible thing. He killed a family of five in a home invasion. Yes. But does that mean that he deserves to die in a totally inhumane fashion without any dignity whatsoever? Right. It's like, if he's already going to die on the table, like, why can't he just die on the table? He's still going to die. He's still going to be punished for what he did. Yeah. I. It, and he already, I don't know. I mean, again, we don't need to get into, like, whether the death penalty is inhumane or not. But, like, the guy already essentially felt the effects of a lethal injection. Like, he already got the punishment that comes with a lethal injection. Yeah, and I mean, it's even more so of a punishment because he lived through it. Right, exactly. So if he wants to die, I mean, you know. And it's it's interesting how I feel like Choi and Crockett agree, 
but they disagree in how to proceed kind of so like they both think yeah this guy should die but crockett's like well we're already at that point and Choi is like no we have a duty to treat him right it's I weird mean, crockett being i mean i will say this though i mean again we don't have to get into everything but i will say i do like how crockett has continued to be like the spokesman for ethics at med yeah yeah, and he, he just, kind of know, is in this case, isn't he? Right, because he's like, you know, I mean, that's always been the thing. It's like, regardless of what you think, we have a duty to treat the patient. And that, I mean, yeah, like, you can't get your own personal opinions. You can't let them affect the job that you have to do. Right. Right. Yeah, I guess I just wasn't thrilled. I mean, I see where they're both coming from, of course, but at the same time, I feel like even though this person did this horrible thing, these are his dying moments. He still deserves some degree of compassion, doesn't he? Yeah, I think so. I Yeah, I mean, this whole thing just kind of got me to think about something that I've never really thought about in depth before, I guess. And so, yeah, I mean, I just feel like, you know, I feel like no matter what, kind of crime this guy has committed, I mean, no matter what he's done in his life, that the prospect of dying and being, you know, hit with a lethal injection is terrifying, and that he probably deserves to go out with a little bit of dignity. I don't know if I agree with that he deserves to go out with dignity, but I do agree that, like, the whole idea of killing him via lethal injection is inhumane. Or, okay, let me rephrase. Dignity might not be the best word. I think that if this guy wants to, you know, if he, they shouldn't drag out the suffering just because this guy did something bad and didn't die the first time. Like, if he is asking Crockett, like, hey, please just let me die. I feel like that should be that. And they shouldn't drag it out just to be like, no. You have to die by lethal injection, you horrible person. That's fair. That's fair. Hmm. But, yeah, this whole, it's hard to talk about this, I feel like, without getting into, like, too much in depth of, like, the political aspect of it, but, yeah. Hey, Bryna, did you know we got a three-season renewal? Oh, my God, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What? So... Basically, like we said, like Crockett's not really thrilled about the idea of patching this guy up, only for the prison system to can kill him again or try to kill him again. And Toy's like, I don't really give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And who who says this again? I'm trying to remember. So it's Crockett. Uh, and Crockett basically says Crockett goes, mm, you know, I think that's what they call compartmentalizing. And you guys, he winks when he says it. Like, wow. That is so patronizing, but also so awesome at the same time. Only Crockett can get away with it, though. Only Crockett. And only to Ethan. He says that to anybody else. He's a jackass. But only to Ethan. But also, this is kind of like... This is kind of the male version of calling somebody sweetheart. Because, I mean, we've both been there where a male is just like, oh, but sweetheart. Oh, no, 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 not a sweetheart. Just stop. This is like that. Because, I mean, by winking at him, Crockett's kind of patronizing him a little bit. But it's kind of awesome. Is that bad that I find it so awesome? 
No, because like you said, it's the specific context of the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you said, if it's anyone else, no, 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 no. But Crockett to Ethan, like, hell yeah. Also, my favorite thing is that Crockett just, like, very casually walks around the hospital just calling people out on their bullshit. He just casually strolls the ED and it was like, you're full of shit. You're full of shit. Good morning. You're full of shit, too. It's amazing. Yeah. So, basically, I mean, the whole thing ends up, the guy's arm is necrotic, so they end up having to amputate. And Crockett's like, I just want to load him up on pain meds and let nature take its course. But Choi wants to do surgery. So they end up doing the surgery, and Crockett just sort of keeps finding things wrong. And in the end, his pressure tanks, and he dies. Okay, let's talk about this. Do you think that he actually found these problems, or do you think he just kind of got his way and let the guy die? Or he created said problems. I mean... Yes, that's what I think. You think he made it up? I mean, I would not, I don't not think that. <laughs> I, I have a little bit of an issue with that, if that's the case. If, if Crockett just kind of, like, found the way to get what he wanted and let this guy die. Because, like, why? And, and, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk in depth about this when we get to PD, but there's a tendency of these characters sometimes to play God, isn't there? Right, but you kind of just then brought up my point, like, what I, the point I was going to make. Voight does it all the time. What's wrong with that? I don't like that either. I don't like it, but Voight does it. I know. I know. And, and it, Voight's it's, done it more time. I, I feel like, here's the thing. I feel like Voight does it, and again, we can talk about this later and when we get to the PD part because I do have negative feelings about what Voight did mm-hmm. in that regard. Yeah. But I feel like Voight does it to protect the people he loves, which there's nothing really wrong with, but he does it as like a protection me- mechanism. In this instance, if that is what Crockett did, Crockett's just doing it to someone he for someone he doesn't even know, like just purely out of the compassion of his heart. Yeah. And like a deeper belief in the fact that the system in our, you know, the justice system in our world is fucked up and they shouldn't be able to get away with things like that. Right. Whereas Voight always does it for a personal reason. We never see him do something like that. If like one of the people intelligence or who has ever been in the intelligence world is involved. Hmm. It just brings up some interesting points, man. Yeah, but the comparison, especially given what happens at the end of the crossover, is very interesting. Yeah. And again, I don't really have a problem if this is how Crockett chose to do it. I do very much have a problem with what PD did, but we'll get there eventually. Yeah. Hmm. So, anyway... Basically, of course, the end of the episode happens and the person people are pissed because, duh, of course they are, because the system is fucked up and now they're mad that their system got fucked up. But whatever, it's mm-hmm. fine. Um, and good knows something's up, but boy has Crockett's back through the whole thing. And he even suggests to April that 
they go get drinks with Crockett, or that he at least goes, and it ends up not happening, and he goes home with her instead. But, like, that whole moment when April was like, whoa, you want to go have drinks with Crockett? And I'm just like, girl, (laughs) still, we all know you're in love with Crockett, okay? Like, let's go. Yeah, but, I mean, drinks with the two of them is, like, her worst nightmare. Uh, yeah exactly yeah yeah so any other notes about med that was a bizarre episode or, really i wouldn't even say that the episode itself is bizarre like i thought the episode was good mm-hmm. the cases were bizarre yeah i thought it was a great episode i think with different pairings this episode probably would not have been as good right yeah right that's that's very fair yeah. Pairings can definitely make or break a med episode. They really can. They really can. So yeah. moving into Fire and PD. This is the crossover, man. Um, I liked this one. I did not hate it. I don't think it tops the list in terms of my favorite crossovers, but it's probably a solid, like, maybe middle of the pack. Yeah, I thought it was, I think, and somebody made a comment. I had this at the very end of that line, but, like, I... I'm trying to find who made the comment. Um, who? Oh, Luna made the comment to us in an email. I, I kind of agree. Like, I thought I was more excited for it going into it than I was coming out of it. Like, I thought it was fine. Um, I just feel like it was maybe a little overhyped. Yeah, maybe. And I also just really don't care for Roman. And, like, the way they ended it, I really don't care for Roman still. Yeah, okay, I I will say this, is that Roman is still as abrasive as ever, to me, in my opinion, and that, I feel like, made the crossover a little tougher to get through. Um, Not to say that it was, like, unbearable, it certainly wasn't. I flew through it, it was fantastic, I liked it, but also, Roman definitely graded on me the same way he did when he was a regular. Right, and I think here's the thing, too. It's the first one we've had since the big crossover in the fall. Mm-hmm. And that epi- that crossover was, I know it was like a bitch to deal with for on the production side, but it was just so fantastic on so many levels that I honestly don't know if any other crossover will ever hold up to that hype again. I can, yeah, that that's fair. That's completely fair. Like, I feel like it's going to be infection and then like everything else and like everything else will just fall short of how amazing that one was because it was. Even last year's crossover at the Carbide and Carbon building, that was pretty impressive as well. Yeah. What was last year's PD fire crossover? I don't even remember right now. I don't know. We really need to do a ranking crossover ranking at some point. I know. Um, yeah. Next time we get a hiatus and we're actually going to record during one, we'll have to do that. So, um, yeah. And so we were able to yeah. break this up in terms of the different storylines going on. There weren't very many, but there's were still a couple things happening. So we got Brett and her birth mom, which like this, this actually, I feel like this was a pretty satisfying resolution because the past couple of weeks where they've just been like, oh my God, her birth mom. I'm like, okay, get on with it. Let's go. But hold on a second before we get into the storyline part. I wonder how you feel about this. How do you feel about the fact that in every fire portion of a crossover, regardless of whether it's the big three part crossovers or the um, like two part 
fire PD ones. Like, fire will always throw in, like, a little bit of other storyline here and there. Whereas PD is pretty much then always, like, just wrapping up whatever case that overlapped. I mean, like, we saw a Berzik scene technically in the PD portion. Mm -hmm. But, like, this, I mean, this had, like, the fire half clearly had its own other storyline. And while I really like this storyline, I don't know, like, it just feels off. Like, you can definitely... It's not as seamless, I felt like, as, like, Infection, where it was, like, I don't know. Does what I'm saying try to make... Yeah, it does. Does what I'm saying make sense? It does. And I definitely got the feeling off of this one that I did off of uh, the very first week of the new season of Station 19 and Grey's, because they tried tried to cross over that week, and the Grey's portion was not a crossover at all. And I feel very similar about this, is that the PD portion was not really a crossover at all we saw Severide and Bowden for like a scene and then we saw you know Plouch and a couple of other people from Fire at the very end but that was really about it right yeah right and that's that's my only thing is like I feel like Fire at least I mean I like that Fire includes other storylines and it doesn't ever like in that regard I feel like crossovers never feel like completely isolated incidents Mm -hmm. um like special episodes but I don't know it just made something feel different about I don't know yeah no I'm definitely with you on that and I I think the whole idea of Roman going to the firehouse to start things off is weird as hell yeah I mean we'll get there but yeah that was weird the transition between fire and PD was seamless just like it always is but I it didn't it didn't feel as balanced as other crossovers yes I would agree with that Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but I like the I like the idea of fire having other storylines going on because it reminds you that like yeah, this is a fire episode and just because this is a crossover, we're not taking a break from what's going on. Right. And that's kind of what I wish PD would do. I mean, I guess PD doesn't really ever give us much more personal than the case anyway, but still. It just it I feel like it's more stark in contrast when there's together as a crossover than it is when they air as separate episodes. Yeah, I like I feel like the ideal crossover should basically look like what the fire portion of infection looked like. Where at any given moment I wasn't sure what show I was watching because there would be, you know, Will and Jay were in one corner and then you had Maggie in another and all three of them were interacting in every single scene so that it was just cohesive. You know? Right. Right, and I also find it so interesting, too, that this is the one they wanted to do for the fall, originally. They made a good call by switching it. Right, and I agree, but I just find that so interesting now, looking back on both of them, having seen both of them. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just very interesting that this is what they wanted to do at their big fall crossover. Yeah, so not to say that this one was bad, it just, compared to all of the others, it just kind of didn't really match up. It was still good. Yeah, it was still very good, but it just, again, felt overhyped. Yeah, yeah, so I get it. So we start off with Brett Brett and her birth mom, and so Casey asks Brett if she's reached out. So Brett and Foster are getting back from, like, a million calls in one day. They're exhausted, but Casey's like, yeah, have you reached out to your mom at all? And, you know, Sylvie's, she's hesitant. She just says, she's like, you know, I want to make a good impression, and Casey just says, the right way is whatever works for you. That is some solid advice, Matt Casey. Good job. Yeah. Good I, job. Surprisingly. I feel like Casey never get. Well, Casey sometimes gives good advice. Yeah. And I mean, and Casey is a good friend, but like, 
he's we don't usually see him be a good friend in that aspect. He's not usually the one delivering like sage wisdom. Yeah, exactly. So I like that. That was good. So after the initial call, which we'll cover in a few minutes, but uh, Casey finds Sylvia in the locker room and she's kind of down um, just about the call because it was it's pretty wild. And Casey just says, you saved two lives tonight. Like, focus on that. Matt Casey, look at you, like knowing exactly what to say. Good job. Good job. Mm-hmm. So Casey just is like, hey, one more time about your mom. You know, he basically offers to drive her to her, her, her birth mom's house. And he's like, you know, I know you can handle it solo, but I thought I might, I thought you might want a buddy. And Sylvie's like, yeah, like definitely. That's really nice of you. Like, did Casey get his game back? I mean, I feel like it's hard to say Casey got his game back until something else actually happens, like something more romantic. But this is definitely a step. Is Casey getting his game back? Yes, Casey. Well, we'll see. hold off on that until we see more, but yes. Well, so Brett and Casey road trip to her birth mom's house, but she's not there. And it's kind of odd because the guy who answers the door is like, yeah, there's nobody here by that name. But like, lo and behold, later on, we find out that that was her husband. So, okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. So she later tells Foster that, you know, she's like, yeah, I started feeling that little flutter feeling that she used to feel as a kid when she let herself wonder about her birth parents. And Brett's mom, just Brett's birth mom, just up and shows up to the firehouse. Like, at first, I'm just like, oh, my God, you can't do that. But then two seconds later, I'm like, what am I feeling? Why do I want to cry right now? It's a ride. Yeah. I'm curious to see where they actually end up going with this. Yeah. Yeah, same, because, I mean, they say, didn't this description for 16 say she's got, like, life-altering news? Yeah, and I mean, I don't know, is she, like, dying and wants to leave her baby to Brett? Like, what, like, I don't know, I'm making shit up now, but, like, I mean, why? Like, what else is life-altering? Aside from being pregnant. She already told her she's, right, she already told her she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't know. Yeah, so Brett's birth mom shows up to the firehouse and, you know, she's young and she said, you know, she had Sylvia when she was 16 and her husband didn't know that, you know, about Sylvie and she had just told him and he acted out and that's why he told her that she didn't live there. And, you know, she basically reveals that she's getting ready to have another baby and she invites Sylvie to dinner. And they get another call and just as that's happening, she's just like, you know, just know how much I want you in our lives in whatever way that works for you. And, like, poor Sylvie is just, like, so emotional. I mean, the rest of us are all emotional about it, too. But she's just got to kind of, like, get in the ambo and just, like, carry on. I Yeah. Like, wow. Wow. That's a big moment for Sylvie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Next week will definitely be interesting. Yeah, for sure. So I feel like I would have loved if Casey – because Casey had a moment where he looked back at her and then looked at Brett. And, like, I that, that would have been the moment to be like, is that – is that how I think it is? Which, like, come right. on, Casey. I mean, he essentially said that. He essentially said that with his eyes. I mean, they also didn't really have time to say that because they were on their way to the call, mm-hmm. um, so they had to move. But yeah, he essentially said that with his eyes. I thought, but yeah, I did like that moment. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're we're just kind of trucking along with that, so we'll see. So we did have that in the fire episode. The big thing, of course, that we had was building the case. So. We start off, Foster and Brett just keep getting calls. 
and they're about to eat. They get a call again. And this is a pretty rough call. Not only a rough call to like start the episode with, but this is just a really rough call in general. So what starts off as one apparent overdose turns into three. And it's three teenagers. I mean, they're babies. Um, the third victim is behind a bathroom door. And so, of course, we get a moment of Severi just casually cutting a door in half, trying to get her out. You know, just Severide things. Just, you know, normal Wednesday. No big deal. Um, we also got a tweet from a listener just asking if this reminded anybody of the episode of Friends when Joey cuts the door in half. I am so ashamed to say that I have not seen that episode. I really need to step up my game with friends. You really do know, though. You've seen that episode? I've seen all 10 seasons. Okay. Um, Yeah. I usually watch it with my best friend, but, like, we're usually doing other stuff, and it's, like, in the background. So I think I'm more familiar with the later seasons than I am the early seasons. But I need to step it up. I binged all 10 seasons in two and a half weeks in high school. Nice. Mm. Really, That's all I did every day during winter break one year. Literally every day. I did that. Just binge it. I did that with Dexter one year, like over Christmas break. I would watch like seven or eight episodes like in a day. I do kind of miss those days of like pre-adulting, being able to just completely binge like full-on seasons in like no time. I miss that a little bit. Well, but. and the best part about Friends is it's twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. So like, if you literally have nothing to do, which hi, I was a sophomore in high school during winter break. Of course, I had nothing to do. Um, yeah, you ju- I just binged. And it was on DVD. So, like, I literally would just let the DVD run. Okay, time to change the new disc. Okay, great. Like, yeah, it was great. Yeah, and now it's gone from Netflix, so I have to wait for HBO Max. Okay, fine. Yeah. Rude. Another app. Another streaming service that I don't want to get. I know, and that's, like, playing so dirty by putting it on HBO Max, too. Because, like, you know people will just get it for friends. Yep. Yeah, but did Severide cutting the store in half remind you of that scene? Yeah, I mean, like once she said, like once the we got that tweet, I was like, oh yeah, definitely. But like, I don't, I don't watch Friends enough now. Like, I don't really watch it a ton, so like, I wouldn't have thought about. I didn't think about it like in that moment. But you know, it's just Severide doing Severide things, and also like he's so calm because he comes in and he's like, "What's going on?" And Brett's like, "So she overdosed. I think there's a spinal injury. Like we need to get to her." And Severide's just like, "Yeah, we'll get her out." Just so cool, so calm, so collected. Our little Avenger Severide, who just there's literally nothing this man cannot do. Mm-hmm. It's the best. I love it. So you know. So while Brett and Foster are tending to the third victim, a young boy turns up and he's screaming for Brandy. So Emily asks for his name and he runs, which like that, that's not what you're supposed to do when somebody asks for your name, but okay. Um, And we cut to outside and it's the very first Severus water scene. That is a mouthful, but Severide, Ruzik, and Atwater. I love it. I didn't know I needed this trio in my life, but apparently I do. It's, it's pretty much the best. Yeah. It's all they're Literally doing is the like best. exchanging information, but it's the best. I love it. Like I would just watch a whole episode of that. Also, can we talk about how good Adam looked in this episode? Yeah. I don't know what Patty's been up to recently, but like red, red is a fantastic color on that man. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and his hair looked really good, too, which, like, again, I mean, totally not relevant to the case at hand, but also, like, worth noting. Patty, you're on point recently. Keep going. I mean, you're always on point, and 
we love you. But like, yes, keep going. Just continue. And come back on the pod, please. We miss you. <laughs> I know. It's been too long. It really has been too long. We miss you. Come back. So Ruzik calls Severide over to the 21st. And together with Atwater, they question this, <coughs> the, the boy who ran. The boy who ran, his name is Travis. And I do love when Severide rolls up and the very first thing he says, he's like, so word of advice, Travis, like, don't lie to these two. Severide knows. He gets it. He gets it. So he admits that Brandy got the pills at a party, but he doesn't know who she got them from. So we cut to 51 and Roman just like randomly strolls on into the firehouse. Like, okay. Hi. How are you? Hi. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. So it's been almost four years. He's still in San Diego. I'm really bummed that we never found out what he's doing for a living. I know. I know. Like, he's a civilian. That we know for sure. Oh, for sure. But is is he a surfer? Is he, like, a reality show contestant? Yeah, a vlogger. Um, You know, I I don't know. We got a lot of tweets saying that he's probably a relationship counselor, which, like, haha, funny, but also, ugh, cringe. Um. Yeah, like, yeah. I want to know what he's been doing with his life, aside from just, like, sitting around bitter and pining for the days of him being a cop. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. So, he wants to talk to Sylvie because his sister's gone missing, and they responded to the call about her best friend, her best friend being Brandy. And so, Brand or not Brandy, but uh, Roman's sister, her name's Sarah. She left for school last Thursday. She never came home. She goes to Donna's school, which is, you know, perfect. So, Bowden asked her to try and get some information if possible. So, this is the point from now, like, from here going forward, Severide and Roman are, like, paired together. And it cracked me up that in all of the promos, they were like, yeah, Severide reunites with his friend Roman. Um, they're not friends. Or if they were, we never saw it. We never saw it. They, I don't think they ever even shared a scene together until this episode. Right. Like, ugh, I can't. I know. I can't. Also, Severide is like has the patience of a saint. Because, like, the bullshit that Roman is pulling in this episode, Severide's like, no, I'm here. Like, I got your back. Let's go. Let's keep going on. Kelly Severide, man. Like, patience of a saint, I'm telling you. So, But actually. Yes, yes. So they go to Donna's school, they meet with Donna and another student. And so the other student basically mentions that Sarah's going out with an older guy, Logan Peters. Okay, so we need to talk about the definition of older, because this cracked me up. Because the student's sitting there and she's like, yeah, he's like an older guy, like 25. And when I tell you that TweetDeck like freaked out, it was pretty funny. Like an older guy, like 25. How does it feel to be considered older now, Bryna? Don't say that. <laughs> I'm technic- I'm also technically not older. I'm not 25 yet. Yeah, but like round up. You're pretty much there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I um, Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I understand they're saying older than, you know, 16. Yeah. Like, and, you know, obviously statutory rape, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, 25 is not old. <laughs> I got a little giggle out of that. And so did the rest of TweetDeck. Um, the tweets were just like flooding I'm in. Sure. It was like, LOL, LOL, 25, old. Oh, my God. It was funny. You guys, when I say Twitter was on point on Wednesday night, oh, my goodness. The, the one Chicago Twitter was so entertaining during this live tweet. It was very, very funny. I enjoyed it a lot. So 
basically they go to Donna's school. Bowden gets the information, or she get like Donna gives the information. Logan never graduated, so he was expelled for dealing. He hangs around the parking lot after school. He sounds like a total class act, really. And so this is one of the many points where Severide's like, okay, I'm just gonna like insert some logic. So we're gonna call intelligence now, right? And Roman's just like, yeah, no, no. And this yeah, no. kills me because I feel like the more this goes on throughout the episode, Roman has no valid reason for not calling intelligence. It seems that the only reason he doesn't want to call them is because he doesn't want to have to listen to Void. Okay, well, he does say why he doesn't, why he didn't want to call intelligence. Why? What, uh, what did he say? Because this, then if he... If his sister was actually dealing drugs and these kids died because of that, then she gets induced for um, narcotics-induced homicide charges. Roman. And so he thought if he then finds her first, then, of course, he can not have that happen. Roman. He kills me. I know. I don't think it's the best reason, like, why he, like, if he really cared about his sister... He would have done anything to find her. I mean, not saying he didn't care about his sister, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, he should have just gone to the best people to help him in the first place, which was intelli- which is intelligence. But also, there's a recurring theme that keeps happening in these episodes that's kind of starting to bug me. It's that actions have consequences. So I get the idea that mm-hmm. you want to protect mm-hmm. your sister, but she's been dealing drugs. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this kind of goes back to the episode from two weeks ago and kind of how that thing ended up. It's like, I don't know. Just, yeah, actions definitely have consequences. Yeah, it's just, it's hard to reconcile that, you know, at the end of the day, these are good people. These are three shows of heroes, 100%. But also, there seems to be a lack of, them being accountable for their actions sometimes and I I feel like it's just getting to a point where it's been a little too much lately definitely it just feels like it's a point overkill like like it, it definitely feels like it's been overkill yeah yeah so Roman's like, you know, he wants to check things out first before he calls intelligence, which is really just Roman speak for fuck that, I'm not calling them. Whatever. Mm -hmm. But Severide makes a Katie reference. That's nice. Yes. Which, I thought that was a nice tie-in. Like, if we're gonna have Roman deal through this with his sister, like, you kind of have to make a Katie reference. And I love the way they tie that in, too, how he was like, no, I have a sister, too. Like, Severide is the textbook big brother. Like, ideal textbook big brother. Like, if you're going to big brother, bring, be like Kelly. Bring Katie back, please. Can she come back for Chris's wedding? I would love that. Yeah, I know she's not really, you know, but yes, she needs to be there. Oh, my God. What if Lily's there? I will cry. Oh, kill me i know i will cry if lily's will, at that uh, wedding yeah i will sob through that episode mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean i think we're already gonna sob through that episode but like yeah really sob yeah yeah we're just very happy for our fictional friends joe and chloe okay Goodness. 
So Severide and Roman go and meet with Riz and things go south really fast. And of course, Roman gets a gun pulled on him within like two seconds because it's Roman. I mean, you know, whatever. And like, I guess I, I guess I commend him because like you can tell the cop part of him like never went away. Like he just falls back into it like it's natural. But also like you're not a cop anymore, bro. What are you doing? I know, that's the thing that kills me. It's like, dude, like, I know that you were, yeah, like you said, it's easy for him to fall back into the role of a cop, but, like, you're not a cop. Yeah, and he's still, like, did he have a gun? He had a gun on him, didn't he? No, he didn't have a gun on him. He took the guy's gun from him. They, like, he did, like, a move and ended up getting the other guy's gun. Which, for somebody who is a civilian and not a cop, it's just fucking reckless. Yep. Yeah. But I did about die at the moment that Riz snuck in a Justin Timberlake reference. I appreciate you, writers. Yeah. You, like, actually died. I did actually die. Um, I'm literally wearing a Justin Timberlake shirt, like, right now. Like, Of course you are. For those of you who don't know, um, I definitely loved NSYNC and Justin Timberlake before One Chicago. Like, long, long, long before Chicago. So, like, that was really nice to have One Chicago and Justin Timberlake in the same, like, moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Justin Timberlake will always be your first love. He will, actually. And I actually say that to my boyfriend when he annoys me. When he starts to get me on my nerves. I'm like, yeah, well, I love Justin Timberlake first. So, too bad. Um, Whoops. <laughs> whoopsies. Um but also, I, I don't think I would ever compare Justin to Roman. Justin to Severide, maybe just because of the eyes, but, like, no. Roman just, no. 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 I'm also going to take this moment to just kind of let everybody know that Justin dropped a new song the other night from the Trolls World Tour soundtrack. It's very good. Go listen to it. Okay, that is the end of my story. <sighs> I haven't even listened to it yet. Um, it's a good song. And it's with SZA, who I now know who that is. Um, I My mom knew who SZA was before I did. And I was like, okay, mom, whatever. She's like way more woke than I am. Now I'm rambling. So, Bryna, please take over and like make me stop. I will just throw in here. I haven't even gotten a chance to listen to JT and Meat Mill's song yet. That is so good. I think the, the troll song is not as good as that song. Like that song is better than the new one. Good to know. Okay. Yeah, so basically, they end up turning the whole situation around, like I said, getting the upper hand, they get the guy's guns, and Riz ends up telling them that Logan's running with the Southside Hustlers. And so, they leave the apartment, and again, once again, Severide encourages Roman to go to intelligence. And he's, and Severide's like, you said it yourself, I'm not a cop, and Roman's like, yeah, no, but I know, but I'm not, I'm Sarah's big brother, and Severed's like, yeah, but you're still not a cop. Yeah, Sarah's big brother and, is not a good enough reason. Right. And Roman's like, I, I swear, I'll call it in after I get a chance to talk to the guy. And he's like, okay, bye, Sev. He literally leaves and him alone, so, doesn't he? Yep. Like, literally leaves him on the curb and drives off without him. Yeah. Um, and so basically, Severed goes to see intelligence later that day. And they just, of course, find now found out about Logan Peters. And Severide makes a casual comment about, like, where Logan's been hanging out, and everyone's just like, the fuck you get that information from? <laughs> and Severide's like, oh, did Roman not call you and tell you he's back in town? Because he is, and he said he would. It's just like, you really fell for that, Sev? Really? 
Um, Voight needs to hire that man now. Yeah, I know. Offer like, Severide really... a job or like a trial situation because it's too good. I know. Like, I really need a day, just one case of Severide being in intelligence. Yeah, and like, you know, he probably knows, you know, everything about being a cop. I bet you he knows how to work a gun because he's Severide. Of course he does. Like, he would fit right in. And I'm telling you, and I had this conversation with somebody on Twitter the other day, like, Voight would not want to give him back. Bowden would be like, it is time for him to come home. And Voight would be like, one more case. One more case. Yeah. It needs to happen. Just really, yeah. Somebody make this dream scenario happen for us, please. Please. So basically, everyone's like, oh, wait, Roman's in town? And it's all right again. It's like, yeah. So Voight, Kim, and Ruzik go and meet with Bowden, Severide, and Casey. And they're all basically wondering the same thing. Like, why didn't Roman come to intelligence first? And Kim's like, I think it's because of me. And Ruzik's like, fuck that. No, it's not because of you. Like, I, I you never should've... for a moment thought that was the case. Did you? No. Yeah. No. No, I also refuse to believe they dated, even though I, I refuse to call whatever that was dating. I, I'm with you on that one. Like, literally, like, forever refuse to believe. Like, it just sounds weird coming out of her mouth to me. They just hooked up once or twice. Right? I don't believe they dated. Yeah, I don't know if I would call that dating. Okay, question to our listeners. Do people actually consider Roman and Kim to have dated? Like, I really want to know, regardless of what you think of Roman, or if you like that relationship or not, I won't judge. But do you consider what they did dating? Like, boyfriend and girlfriend? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you uh, think? Please let us know. Do not. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. So basically, again, I mean, or Kim thinks it's her. Ruth is like, it can't be. It, it's not you. And he, like, goes on this rant, and Void's like, you good? <laughs> and Ruth is like, yeah. This was so good. But also, at the same time, when Void's like, you done? I was like, no, he's not done, Hank. Carry on, Adam. <laughs> yeah. It it's so good. Mm-hmm. So basically, all of 51 gets called to this basement unit fire, and then they get there, and they hear shots start going off. And of course, Roman's there, because of course it's Roman. Um, he was confronting Logan, and Logan was able to escape, and they end up finding Brandy's boyfriend, Travis, who was in there, and he's, of course, been shot by Logan, and so there's a whole lot of stuff happening. And so Severide, uh, deservedly so, rips Roman a new one for being at the scene originally. And then CPD rolls up on the scene. Yep. And Kim and Roman just kind of stare at each other, and it's, like, hella awkward. It's, it, it, it's, it's weird. It is weird. It's very weird. It's what weird. about the moment when they roll up and Roman's like, well, here we go. Not here we go. Like... This wouldn't be so difficult if you'd gone to them in the first place. Right. It, yeah. Just, yeah. So, basically, Kim takes Roman's statement, and he admits to her the real reason why he didn't call intelligence. That, like, his sister's been an addict for a while, and he worries that she's been dealing for Logan. And if she is, and a teenager died, then she's looking at a drug-induced homicide charge. It still makes so, no sense to go to like, 51. Right, yeah. Go to a different district. 
<laughs> Unless he's made too many enemies across the CPD. Maybe, I guess so. And so this is what I really don't understand. So Roman and Kim head to the 21st, and they run into Platt, of course. And she makes a comment, and she says, you know, I should have told you to come here from the jump. I'm sorry, I steered you wrong. So Roman saw Platt prior to this? Maybe. I feel like maybe there's a deleted scene we're missing somewhere. Did Platt tell Roman to go to 51? She wouldn't do that. I don't think maybe she told him to 51, but, like, I don't know. Like, I just, I couldn't help but wonder if that was, like, a, like, based on, like, the previous relationship they had. Like, you drew wrong back in the day if you couldn't come here kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Or if that was, like, a literally in the present, I saw you, I told you this, and I was wrong kind of comment. I I don't know. I just didn't get over. I just that was something I overthought about way too much, and I was mm-hmm. like, I wonder what this actually means. Yeah. Um. And so basically, the officer taking the, over the desk for Platt makes an offhand comment to Burgess about how sorry he is for her loss, and she just kind of shakes it off. She's like, Yeah, thanks. And Roman's like, What is he talking about? And she's like, Oh, it's nothing. Which, like, girl, you're lying to yourself, but okay. But also, like, he really presses the issue. Yeah, he does drop it eventually, but yes, he does press the issue. So basically, they end up going to talk to... Oh, hold on. I skipped a section. So Roman sits down with Voight and tells him everything. But before this, I do kind of wish Roman had made a comment about the turnover in the intelligence unit since he's been there. (laughs) Because you think about it, since Roman's gone... Lindsay's left. Mm-hmm. Al died. Antonio left. Somebody else is missing. Mouse. Mouse left. There was another. What else am I thinking of? But then also like Upton joined. Um, Rojas has joined. Like there's been a lot of turnover. Well, I don't know if I would call it turnover. I mean, it's just you know, time. Things change over time. Yeah, but, like, still. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would have been the only time to be like, oh, this is different. Um, especially with Al's death. Yeah, I would have been, I would not have minded a scene about that of Roman just acknowledging it. Right, and I didn't even need a whole scene, just, like, a comment. Mm-hmm. Being like, oh, yeah. Because they kind of gave it to us in the fire half when he meets um, Foster, and it's, and Brett's like, oh, she's been my partner for the last, like, you know, almost two years. And it's like, oh, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have appreciated just even a comment of some sort mm-hmm. similar to the, for the PD portion. Yeah. But anyway, Roman sits down with Voight and tells him everything. And Voight's like, I'll let you roll with Kim on a short leash. But, like, you do something to fuck this up and, like, you're done. <laughs> and, Voight, and Roman's like, okay. Roman's like, okay, I will do that. I will fuck shit up. Right. And Ruzik's like, are you sure you don't want me to ride with you? And Kim's like, no. Like, we're good. I got this. Mm -hmm. And Roman's like, so they leave and they're going to get in the car. And Roman's like, why is intelligence walking on eggshells around you? And she makes a comment. She's like, you know, you should have stuck around, Roman. You would have made a detective. Oh, he wouldn't have. That would have been his worst nightmare. Right, he didn't want to work in intelligence. He hated he intelligence. Liked he liked, yeah, he liked the beat. 
And really what we talked about before in previous episodes, he couldn't hang with intelligence. He just couldn't keep up with them. Right. I mean, I think depending on the situation, there were certain situations where he could for sure. But yeah, I I just thought that comment was weird. Yeah, that is weird saying you should have stuck around because like, obviously he couldn't. He got shot. Right. Yeah. So Roman and Kim go and talk to some friends slash former roommates of Logan's. Um, and they end up coming clean after some like coaxing from them. Um, and say that they last saw Sarah at the old lake house a few days ago. And so Roman and Kim are out at the lake house and they're going through some stuff. And Roman's like, okay, so what was that officer talking to you about earlier? And Kim basically sums it up in one sentence. She's like, you know, Reese and I got together, I got pregnant, and I'm not anymore. And that's that. Roman handles it well. I will say that. He does. Like, he, he, he says does. one thing, he just says, like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, I couldn't imagine, and he leaves it. All right. Acceptable. Right. Right. I just, you know, it's like, oh, she summed it up in one sentence. Like, she's so still detached from the situation. Like, she, you can tell she hasn't fully grieved it yet. She is so in her head about the whole thing, which, I mean, we'll get to. But, yeah, I mean, she's she has numbed herself definitely to what's happening. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. And so, unfortunately, though, they are at the lake house, and they end up finding Sarah's dead body frozen in the snow out back. I, what a, what a, what a moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean, regardless of how you feel about Roman, it's a pretty, like, That's, big scene. Yeah, and that scene was like a punch to the gut. Big time. And, like, what a horrible way to go. Yeah. And I think even honestly, though, the scene that follows it is worse because then Roman and Kim go to his, tell his parents, and they kind of end up blaming it on him. And Roman's dad, like, punches him in the face, and he's, like, yelling at him. He's like, she needed you. Like, we needed you. I mean, again, I don't like Roman, but, like, man. I know. I know. Also, that, this, that has, this has to be his stepmom, right? Because his, his mom is dead. She is. Yeah, he mentions it in an episode. Um, all I remember is that, like, Burgess and Roman are, like, sitting, they're camped outside a pet store, and they're talking about, like, grieving and how weird it is, and Roman's like, yeah, I mean, he's like, I went through it when my mom died, like, you don't know up from down, like, left from right. Um, I was meaning to go back and find the episode. I couldn't. But, yeah, his his mom is dead. That's got to be his stepmom. I don't remember that at all. I got to find it. At all, um, and so intelligence rolls up to a South Side hustler's place where they think they might find Logan, um, and they're right; they do find Logan, but he's DOA, so doesn't really matter. Um, and then we get to the bird six scene. Oh my goodness! Like that bird six scene, and so they're in the locker room. And Adam opens his locker, and Kim sees that he still has the sonogram in his locker. And she's like, why do you still have that? Like, yeah, he can do what he wants. It's his locker. Thank you. See, and this is, this is where, like, Kim is sort of starting to bug me. But, like, 
I also can't fault her for this. She went through something so horrible and traumatic. But at the same time, I feel like she's making Adam feel like he can only grieve on her terms. Right. I think especially, too, because they work so closely together and they see each other all the time. Like, if they were both working separate jobs, I don't think this is... I mean, it's still an issue, of course, but, like, it's different. Big time. But also, I mean, I feel like Adam has not been able to grieve the way he wants to because no matter what, he's always going to feel like, well, Kim is the one who, you know, suffered the physical harm. She's the one who like really suffered the brunt of this loss. And so I feel like Adam's not able to express his feelings or grieve the way that he wants to because Kim is always going to come first. That's not a bad thing. Adam's always going to put her first. But he needs the space to be able to feel his feelings as well. Right. 100%. And so she wants, basically, the whole conversation is like, she wants Adam to be just as angry as she was with herself about the fact that you know, they don't have their baby anymore. And he just says, he's like, you know, I'm, I, I can't do that. And it's followed by like a super quiet, like, I'm sorry, as Kim like walks out the room. And it's just like, Oof. like you said, like, he doesn't regret what he did. Like, at the end of the day, he cares more about Kim than he does anything else. And Kim's still here. And I love that he talked her up too. He was like, no, like you did the right thing. If you had waited the three minutes, that girl would have died. Like you were doing your job. Right. You did the right thing. I'm, I love that he talked her up and supported her and didn't make her feel guilty. I don't know why for a second I thought he would, but I was worried that that was going to happen. But I mean, yeah. he, he really like, he, he always puts her first. He bolsters, he supports her. He bolsters her up. He loves her. She still won't let him in. And I mean, again, she went through something horrible and traumatic and just, I mean, something that, you know, no woman should ever go through. But yeah, it's just, I, I don't know. I, what, where, where's the line is what I'm wondering. Uh, what, what's it going to take for her to let him in? I don't know. Like, is she ever? I want to... I want to say that maybe this will be a start that like she kind of maybe, especially at the end, which we'll get to in a about deciding, you know, like carrying the pain and trying to find it ways to do it in a healthy or like better healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully that'll, she'll apply that to the baby stuff, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And I I just, yeah. I, I, I mean, and it, I mean, of course, it breaks my heart that she's beating herself up over it. I mean, but granted, you know, that's normal, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, she's just, she doesn't have to do anything she doesn't want to do. But like, you know, she also, you know, needs to let people in and, you know, let her friends be her friends. Yeah. Um, do you want to finish this off from here? Yeah, sure. So Kim updates Roman on what went down at the warehouse and Roman's like, you know, doesn't really matter now, does it? Like, who cares if he's dead? Cause she's still gone. And Kim just keeps trying to get it through his head. Like you are not a cop anymore. Stop doing that. But 
of course it doesn't compute. He's like, my sister needed me. She was coming apart and she needed me to get on a plane and just come to her. She needed you to get on a plane and maybe go through the appropriate channels. But I mean, I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge. So they find Leon Miller. They find 2,000 counterfeit oxy pills and a bunch of uncut fentanyl. Uncut fentanyl. That is a tongue twister. So successful day until for intelligence. Yeah, yeah. But actually, though, like, yeah, counterfeit oxy is basically fentanyl, which is like lethal. I just remember that episode of Med when like Noah accidentally opened some sort of bag or something, and they had to like completely evacuate because it was fentanyl. Mm-hmm. It's bad stuff. It's bad stuff. And so, yeah, Leon denies killing Logan, and they confirm it through security cam footage. So they end up pulling pod footage that shows a blue Nissan fleeing the scene with no sign of the Black Range Rover. So they look into people who are driving Nissans. And the best line ever comes from this because they're breaking it down with owners of Nissans. And Atwater just goes, okay, Robert Harper, 43, white as hell. I mean, he makes Halstead look like Little Wayne. He makes Halstead look like Little Wayne. I iconic it's so good it's (laughs) iconic one more time he makes halstead look like little wayne (laughs) iconic amazing amazing i just it's so good it's so good just need to like appreciate that for a moment and so burgess sees the name tamara riley on the list of nissan drivers and she leaves the room And so as it turns out, the witness who originally saw the Range Rover was a CI from like 2014 to 2016. So like season one to season three, we're getting real technical. Um, But Kim starts putting things together and Platt's like, yeah, you're concerning me. Be careful. So Burgess does the math. She goes to Roman, tells them they need to talk. So the witness, Christian, was one of Roman's old CIs. And Tamra is one of Roman's cousins who's out of town. Are we putting it together here? So Christian used cash to square up his debts with his landlady. And so they're basically trying to like put two and two together. But basically what we're getting at here is that, hello, Roman murdered Logan. What? Yep. What? And also like. I will say. I never didn't. I didn't see that twist coming. I thought for sure, I, I, I saw that coming, but I thought this would end differently. Well, okay, yeah, that's what I meant. Like, I, once they started putting pieces together, like, it kind of became obvious. But I didn't think that we were going to go into this crossover with, like, Roman having murdered his sister's killer. Damn, it just, wow. Like, but also, I mean, you went through an old CI and you used your cousin's car. Like, you had to know intelligence was going to find that. Right, it's intelligence. Yeah, like, you didn't do a very good job there. I, yeah. Well, no. So, I mean, when they're talking to Christian and everything, I mean, Voight knows, like, what's going on here. Because he just has that ability. Like, he just always knows when somebody's lying to him. And so the most awkward stare down goes down between Burgess and Voight. It's so uncomfortable. But... Later on at Sarah's funeral, you know, Voight shows up, sits next to Kim, and he just says, he's like, you did the right thing by calling me. So Roman delivers the most painfully honest eulogy, talking about carrying the pain of our sins. And so 
he basically talks about, you know, why why should we be absolved of our sins? Like, why why don't we just carry the pain around? And so he says, he's like, we need to feel them so that we can do better next time. And so we cut to Kim. Kim's crying, which makes us cry because, you know, of course. So after the funeral, Roman thanks Hake for waiting. Presumably, like, we're thinking he's going to arrest him. He's like, you know, what are we going to do? How do we proceed? And Hank's just like, we're not, we're still investigating. You know, we'll let you know if anything changes. And Voight just walks away. Roman just got away with murder. I can't. I can't. What? I, I, I don't understand it. I, yeah, I, I don't understand it either. And Roman doesn't understand. He looks at Burgess and he's like, what just happened? What just happened is you got away with murder. Which I, I this one doesn't sit well with me. I mean, none of them have, but like, they're, they're, the, Voight's playing God the same way Crockett is on med. Yeah. I, I think there is slight differences between the Crockett situation and the Voight situation. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, Voight has done this many a times, of course, but something about this, it's really wrong with me. And I'm not just saying that because I don't like Roman. Like, he murdered somebody. Right. If you murder, you go to jail. Right. And I mean, I mean, the, the Kevin Bingham situation never sat well with me. You know, um, you know, other people who have turned up dead and Voight's been majestically like, mm, I don't know. I mean, that's never, it's never sat well with me. I mean, just because you know, you essentially kill bad people, that doesn't make it okay. Nope. Not at all. I, I, I know. Yeah, I, I don't I don't like it. And I feel like Voight in doing this abuses his power. Like often. Mm-hmm. And, like, just because you go all Dexter with it and, you know, you only do this to people who do bad things, I mean, mm-mm. No, that ain't it. Well, and what I was trying to tie this back into with last the last episode is that regardless of what we think our theory is, like, there is a chance that Voight helped Rojas get away with something that she shouldn't have done. Even though it is a very different situation. Rojas did not end up killing the guy. But still. Like. He might have theoretically have done something. To change people's outcomes. And like. At some point. I mean it's all manipulation. But at some point. When does it. Well I guess it crossed the line. But when does it cross the line in terms of for Void? I mean it should have crossed the line when he killed Bingham. Yeah, probably. And he was going to confess, but, you know, obviously we know what happened there. But I feel like there's been too many instances of this that have been stacked in this season. Like, there's been too much of this lately. Yeah. No, definitely. And I, I, it's hard, but I don't know how to reconcile it because, I mean, you know, of course, as fans, we love these people. We love this cast. We root for them. We root for them because they are inherently good people who are trying to do good things in a very dark world. But, yeah, it just doesn't, it doesn't compute. I don't like it. No, me either. 
And so the episode ends with, you know, Kim and Sean having a bit of a moment. And, you know, Kim is just like, yeah, I agree with what you said. You know, maybe we do have to carry this pain, but don't we get to decide what we do with it? Which at first I took as like Kim's just going to continue to beat herself up over it. But then once I thought about it, I was like, no, like she can, she 100 percent can decide what to do with it. And if she needs mm-hmm. to forgive herself to move on with her life, do what you got to do, girl. Right. That's OK. 100 percent OK. Again, it is a very dark and scary world that we're living in and we're all just doing our best to survive. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she can definitely take that pain and put it aside. You know, I don't think that's anybody else's business. I think murdering somebody is a totally different situation, though. Right. 100 percent. Yeah. And just. Mm, mm, yeah. But it's, it's, again, it's just so hard to reconcile because, like, the Marcus West thing, it's horrible, but then, like, you feel for Jay. But then it's, I don't know. There's just, like, no one uniform way to feel that covers all of these cases. Right. Yeah. Hmm. So, I mean, yeah, it wasn't the best crossover, but it was definitely, like, a very thought-provoking two hours. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and so all, and of course the crossover ends there. It ends with this like really awesome gif of all of them walking out because like squad goals. Hello. Uh, there were two kind of postmortem articles that came out, or there was one really, um, just an interview from TV Line with Brian Garrity, and there were just some things in there that I was like, well, this is odd. Um, they did explore an ending where he did get arrested at the end, but then they opted to roll with this one. So, okay. Interesting. Um, there was also a blurb where he was like, yeah, they kept the fun aspects of the character. I'm going to not comment on that and sip my wine because yeah. 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 And then Brian also was like, yeah, well, they, they, they he's definitely changed. He's not as emotional. N- not as emotional? Are, are, really? What crossover are you watching? Right. Seriously. He's still the hot-headed, same hot-headed Roman that we always knew. He hasn't changed. And didn't love. No, no. Hasn't changed. Hasn't changed. Um, we did get a couple of listener reactions. Um, Luna said, you know, overall, I think I was more stoked going into this crossover than coming out. Um, think the transition last year was a lot smoother and the story just made a lot more sense overall. Also, we didn't have Roman to deal with. Uh, we're, we're all pretty split on Roman. Uh, we definitely got some tweets that were like, people don't like Roman. And then we got other tweets where people were like, is Roman gone yet? You know, just kind of weird yeah. call. Uh, Laurel also said, you know, this is a problem I have with PD. Roman should have gone to jail, but the ethics of the show are always conflicting. And that's why I can't watch it all the time. It it is it's really hard. I mean, it's it's hard to reconcile. It's really, yeah, it it is hard. That's it's hard. Well, and I mean, obviously, we don't know what happens next week either. But I feel like this show kind of flip flops a lot too, because like Halstead is supposedly the voice of reason, but then in next week's episode, they're gonna butt over the fact that like Halstead has like a righteous instinct, and I'm like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Like, that's literally the opposite of everything we know about Halstead. Yeah. So, it's just, a, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's tough. So, um, 
Any other notes on Fire, PD, Crossover, even Med? I, I'm like, I mean, they were all solid episodes. And yeah, they definitely were solid. I did enjoy this crossover. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was good. It was fine. And I mean, it definitely packed a punch. I mean, the, the PD portion had some really gut-wrenching moments. Yes. No, definitely. Mm -hmm. And like, I did like the, as much as I mean, I hated kind of what happened in the Bursic scene. Like I did really like the Bursic scene. And I do like that we have been getting little bits and pieces and they haven't just like swept it all under the rug. Um, and I did like this funeral scene. Like there were bits and pieces I did like, I mean, that I really, really liked. Yeah. So. Um, the other thing worth noting, too, from Brian's interviews that he did that, you know, he said he feels like this is closure. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the door is definitely open for Roman to return at some point. Um, but, you know, Brian definitely said that he feels like this is closure. So interesting. I don't know. So, yeah. As always, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's meet us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything at meetusatmollies at gmail.com. Again, guys, we watch other shows. We do. I'm working my way through Shit's Creek. Elite is about to come back, which both of us are just, like, super excited about. Um, oh, my God. March 13th. Cannot get here any sooner. It's in two weeks from tomorrow, people. Two weeks from tomorrow. Well, today when you're listening to this. Yeah. So tomorrow two weeks from today. Record. Mark your calendars. I think both of us will probably pull all-nighters that night and get through the whole season. So um, I will be pulling in all dayer because I work from home. So all dayer over here. I am jealous. I am jealous. I know that we've got a couple of listeners who they, they've emailed us and said they've started watching Elite because of us. So like if you start watching one of these shows, please email us because we love to talk about that stuff. Um, Especially Elite. I can't stop talking about it. I know. Oh, my the God. The kids are coming. The kids are. Yeah, so I just good. I can't. It's so good. It's so good. So, yeah, guys, email us anytime about anything, any questions, anything like that. If you like the show, which we really hope you do because you have made it all the way to the end of this episode, please, 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 if you could take a second to leave us a rating and review on iTunes, we would so greatly appreciate that. It really does help grow the community and it helps people find the show, especially with Peacock coming along. We're going to have a lot of new shyhards in the mix. So, mm -hmm. yes, yes, yes. Um, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Bryna? I am at BrynaK13. Uh, normal schedule going forward. If anything changes, we'll let you know. But everybody have a good weekend, and we will see you next week. Bye. <laughs>